0: Good afternoon, everybody. We're coming to you live from the Can Do Podcast. Super excited to have my man Chuck Casano on the line. Chuck, how you
1: doing today? Doing wonderful. It's Friday in San Diego, so no complaints. No
0: complaints. I know the weather is sunny. You can check it with. You can put it. You can put a nail in that forecast out there in San Diego. <laughs> well, like I said, guys, I'm super excited to have Chuck Casano on. He is the founder of Pattaya Foods. And guys, there's no better super smooth uh, smoothie out there than what what Chuck makes. I tried it last night for the first time. Put a little raspberries in it, a little sweetener, and it tastes great. I wanted uh, Chuck to share his story with you because it's a real can do story. And on top of that, in the midst of everything that he's done and all of his successes, and we'll get into that, he's also taken over a very successful distribution company that's specifically designed to help other frozen food brands and i want him to get into it and talk about his experience as a ceo and a a industry leader in his field and how he got started so chuck let's get started overall how in the heck did you get in a business like this getting (laughs) foods from Nicaragua, and just you know the whole story because it's very interesting and i want you to share it
1: yeah, so uh never imagined ending up in the natural food space, but always been pretty entrepreneurial at heart. Uh, started after graduated university, was just working for IBM and sales and marketing and working with 300,000 other employees. And I knew that wasn't going to be my my destiny. Um, so <laughs> I kind of wanted to take some time off and, and look at other options. And I ended up doing an MBA in Spain um, that had like an entrepreneurial focus and great program, Instituto Empresa uh, in Madrid, Spain, and it had about 200 students from 70 different countries. So you're really exposed to a lot of different people from all over the parts of the world. Um, And just kind of took my time there learning, put a little finance background and built that foundation that I didn't really have. And then Came back to the U.S. Thought I was going to be an investment banker, but it was 2008, and uh, instead of hiring people at banks, people were jumping from the windows because they didn't know what was going on. So, was actually supposed to start at Bear Stearns the week that they went down. That same team went to Lehman Brothers, and they're like, "Oh, you know, just let us get us settled here, and then we'll bring you over." And then Lehman went down, and I was found myself in New York City with not really understanding what I should do with this new MBA that I got. Um, So I started networking with my friends from my MBA. And and one of my friends was working uh, in Nicaragua uh, for a nonprofit. And their thesis was they would help uh, alleviate a little poverty through growth of the private sector. So they would align with other MBAs, help grow small businesses. And with those small businesses growing, those would create new jobs uh and it was great and i I applied for a fellowship got it and i was the next flight down to nicaragua i'd never stepped foot in the country before um but really just there was nothing going on in new york and really wanted different exposure um and it was amazing uh nicaragua is the second uh the second poorest country in the western hemisphere behind haiti uh but they have you know the people are very generous and very kind um and a lot of the projects that we were on were agricultural focus so uh, i found myself just driving around all the country f- understanding farm capacities for the first time i'd never spent any time really on a farm growing up in on long island new york so this is a, a totally new world to me um and really just fell in love with the country fell in love with the people and then came back from nicaragua and um looking at you know just the landscape the banks were still not really hiring but coconut water was exploding, acai was exploding, and all these super were exploding. And you know, I'm like, where's my dragon fruit smoothie that I was having every day down in Nicaragua? And it, it didn't really exist. Um, started to do a little research, uh, went back to Nicaragua, spoke to a lot of the farmers, um, met up with a an american guy uh will burke who was starting his own company uh trying to export dehydrated organic fruits and working with farmers to get them organically certified and and he and i kind of joined heads and create created like a a frozen supply chain to get the fruit out of the country
0: yeah.
1: and re- we we started as a juice company and and um we were up we were we were bringing the pulp up. Um, and juicing it in Southern California. And part of our mission, our our core mission was we're gonna promote organic farming farming down in Nicaragua. And and we did that with a promise to just 10 small family owned farms that, you know, whatever USDA certified organic red dragon fruit that they could produce, we would purchase 100% of it. And and we helped them got certified. And and then where we processed the fruit, we're trying to give jobs, we aim to give jobs uh, to single mothers down in Nicaragua. Um, we call them our super moms. And le- uh, we start with 10 super moms, literally like hand filling smoothie packs and, and pulp and getting it to the US. And that has grown substantially. Our, our last audit, we've we've helped over 850 farms get USDA certified organic down in Nicaragua. Um, last year, we created over 175 new jobs for single moms down in Nicaragua. And this, these are all audited. These are not like what we're trying to do this is stuff that we 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 actually do every day um and then it just kind of grew from there we, we we like i said we started as a, a juice company whole foods loved our our mission and, and the support that we we're giving and the promotion of organic farming so they were uh very key in authorizing this juice um but it was tough it was it was really tough we we launched this juice right when cold press juice and the blueprint and Suja were coming out and we're trying to sell yep. like a 299 bottle of ju- pasteurized juice and nobody was having it. And and it was, you know, we were grinding. Um, Whole Foods was supporting it, getting onto the shelf. We just couldn't get it off the shelf. Uh, right. But we grew to like, you know, from the outside, it looks like we were doing great. We grew to like six regions. Um, every time we launched a region, just like you were demoing last night in Whole Foods, uh, my girlfriend, now wife, we would drive to every Whole Foods and demo. We've, we, ha- we can make the claim that I've, we've both demoed every single Whole Foods in SoCal, NorCal, Rocky Mountain, Northeast, and uh, North Atlantic it Was until was we ran out of speed. And we just load up the Prius and, and demo like crazy and, and you know, really try and support the brand. But uh, even with all our support, we couldn't get it going. And, and so yeah, so then we kind of evolved into a frozen fruit company.
0: Well, I got to tell you, and doing research and looking over everything, it's it's so funny our similarities. Number one, it starts with demoing. Like I said last night, I was in uh, uh, a Whole Foods last night until seven p.m. doing demos, and you know, you and I started in finance. I uh, started at Schwab and worked uh, 15 years in that business, helping people build out portfolios never in my wildest dream even though i had a passion for food and an extraordinary passion for people would we be in the bar business slinging bars but it's turned out to be it's turned out to be an incredible thing for both of us and i'm just so impressed by your ability to bring people together because honestly you know we talked about passions and love and our love really is aligned with people and helping you know people become better talk about that connection you said in one of your uh, interviews uh, that what really excites you about working in Nicaragua was helping the super moms become even more super and leaving Nicaragua a better place. And you've certainly done that. And I just think that story is so touching and so compelling. I'd like you to touch on it a little further and where you're at now uh, sure. you know, with uh, Playa Foods and, and just I love the feel good stories.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, first of all, I loved going to Nicaragua. It's a, it's a beautiful country. Um, it's, it's really untouched. Um, and, you know, it's somewhat of like a time machine. They're still cutting down sugarcane with machetes. Um, and so, you know, people definitely we and my wife and I ended up getting married in Nicaragua like we're, we're very a real connection to the country um but it's, it's extremely poor for a million different reasons but um, we just wanted to make an impact where we could right and so before we came along uh all the we were the first ones to really export this out of Nicaragua into the U.S. market and so Everything that these uh, dragon fruit farmers would produce would most most likely be consumed locally so they were kind of capped by their growth because of the local market it's only the country only has a population of six million people so you can only sell so much to that group um, so we thought by opening up the US market to this wonderful fruit these these farmers would um, be able to you know create you know produce more and sell more and, and we all, we help at a ground level, um, our partners have agronomists in the fields. Um, we're pretty, you know, when the season's off season, we're providing them with, uh, organic fertilizer and inputs to increase yields and increase fruit output. Um, so they can have better lives, um, or you know, not better, but maybe make a little more income. Um, and it's, it's been great. I mean, there's, we've been doing this for 12 years now. And, you know, when I go back and visit the farms, there's, kids that I remember were just like babies on this farm that are now like 15, 16 years old working on these farms. So it's, it's, it's really so
0: rewarding. Chuck. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I, I'm smiling from ear to ear and uh, you know, it, it's so great. Um, yeah. And so what, what,
1: what we're trying to do now is, you know, we are trying to take that 10 years of experience in Nicaragua and try to apply that to supply chains all around the world and work with different partners. Um, you know, we choose, who we can work with and you know we're I think we're sourcing from five or six different countries right now and and for example when we're looking for avocados and mangoes in Peru there's multiple facilities but we've honed in on one that creates jobs for Venezuelan refugees and and works with them to assimilate them into the economy give them jobs and get them into into society not just kind of like a handout and um, you know, so it's not going to be exactly the same program in Nicaragua, but we can definitely focus on supply chain and, and really try and make sure that everybody benefits from, you know, throughout the supply chain, from the farmer all the way to our, our customers.
0: Very cool. In that research process, process, what is the first, like, take me through the first three to five steps of what you need to look for.
1: Um, we have we have a what we call a FSVP, a foreign supplier verification program. Yep. So it's got all the criteria, you know, um, you know, child labor law audits, um, you know, organic farming methods, criteria, um, quality and processing. And, and, you know, we look for a lot of third party audits um, that are pretty strict um, now that we sell to Costco and, and and Whole Foods, you know, they have some of the strictest standards um you know we got to make sure that everything's audited uh you know the the biggest truth is that my kids eat more of our brand than anybody else so it's got to be safe for my kids got to be safe for everybody
0: of course have you i'm sure your kids have spent a lot of time down there in nicaragua
1: working on the
0: farms and and doing (laughs) that that that's great
1: how old are your kids now no they're young they're uh they're seven and three years old but they've been to the farms and been to nicaragua
0: got it got it and then you 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 kind of branched into this high touch distribution. Tell our audience that doesn't know a lot about distribution how you number one can benefit and number two most importantly the brands that you work with you built out such a great portfolio and how did it come about where you decided hey I need to take on this I need to partner with, with a distribution company.
1: So it's kind of a long story, but I'll try and keep it. You can condense <laughs> yeah. it or whatever. You I'll know. condense it for you. So um, high-touch distribution was born of the ashes of a, of a failed distribution company that tried to go, grow too quick and too wide and was undercapitalized. And unfortunately, I was an investor in that distribution company. Um, and when they failed, I was looking at the financials and realized, you know, they were profitable in southern california so i thought you know i I was friendly with the team members i'd flown some of the when i was doing the juice through this distribution company um you know flew some of them to nicaragua so they could meet the farmers and really get behind the brand um so we had a really i had a really good relationship there um at the same time a lot of the retailers were saying you know we know this company's going bankrupt but we need this service Um, we don't want it to go away so we when they went bankrupt we just uh, I grabbed one of my partners uh, Czar our Olko, had a ton of experience with Adwalla and Coke and he, he's our COO. Um, and I said, Hey, what if we just start over and just focus on Southern California? You know, there's enough business here. It's one of the biggest economies in the world. Um, let's just see what we can do here. And he was on board and um, you know, so what high touch distribution is, is we're a full service DSD server. So we walk into the stores, we look at all our partner sets, um we see you know if we we build our orders in the store and that's kind of the secret sauce is that we get to write our own orders we're not waiting for any pos um and we can do that because we guarantee sales to our retailers so i can go look at the keto crisp set and say okay they need five cases of this and there's no risk on the retailer because we're guaranteeing it all um i gotta stop you right there
0: yeah (laughs) have you ever thought about taking in bars
1: yeah, we do a couple bars um so we are focused in in perishables um but we do a couple shelf stable stuff and i i've talked to mr clifford about this a couple times and um yeah it would definitely worth having another conversation with you guys um, of
0: course of course so we
1: so we kind of look at our partner sets we build that order we go through the back door the receiver of whole foods they check everything in and then we merchandise to make sure there's no out of stocks and when we put everything on the shelf So we're like full service DSD Um, and I think where we really show the most value is kind of like the the bookends or the opposite ends of the spectrum of a brand. Um, You know, 75% of our portfolio is local brands in Southern California that um, Whole Foods is our biggest customer. So when they're looking for something cool and and new and they want to get it on the shelf right away, they'll call us and they'll be like, hey, you know, can you work with these guys and and we'll vet them? And um, it's a lot of handholding. Normally we're like the first uh, distributor for these brands, but we've had a lot of success from a lot of these baby brands uh, going into you know big powerhouses like Mush and I think uh, Salty, we were their first distributor in Soapac. Um, there, there's definitely a couple more that are just escaping me right now. And so we, we work really well incubating these brands. And then the other big brands like Koya, Rebel, GTs, where their product moves so quickly, like they can't afford to be out of stock. Um, So we're in these stores, we go to every store either three, four times a week. Um, So we're constantly filling the shelves. When those guys go on promo, we're helping them secure like secondary locations and off shelf locations. Um, So that's kind of where, that's where the value is for a lot of our suppliers. A, if you're just starting out, or A, if you've already made it and your business is so banging, you, you can't afford to be off the shelf. Um, and so everything we do or all of our trucks are refrigerated. So uh, we cover all the Southern Pacific region, including Arizona, Nevada, except we just don't cover Hawaii. Um, and then we cover all the independent retailers like Mothers, Jimbo's, Lassen's, um, every, pretty, every independent pretty much in Southern California, except for Gelson's and uh, Sprouts. Well,
0: it's a great service, especially for emerging brands like Keto Crisp and some yeah. of the other ones just because of the handholding that you talk about and bringing that experience to the table. You, you, you have been in the CPG space for quite some time now. What's the biggest shift that you've seen in frozen foods? And what do you talk about innovation? I, I love to talk about innovation all the time. What are you working at, on in Playa Foods that you're most excited about? You know, I was in the, the, uh, I saw the set yesterday, and you have all kinds of flavors and all kinds of things. I, I was so excited. I I picked about three or different four, three or four different flavors, uh, and I love to talk about innovation. Can you
1: talk about innovation
0: as it relates to uh, applying what 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 you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're we're we really just want to be on the like um, kind of cutting edge, or like we want to be a discovery brand of new fruits. So we're always scouring the globe of, you know, A, is it healthy? A, is it healthy for the planet? Is it healthy for the people? And, um, you know, what we've learned now is like, is it scalable, right? Because, you know, we're in tens of thousands of doors right now. So we can't just launch something at 200 retailers and and that'd be it. So it's that's that's been some of the challenges because there's so many amazing fruits out there. And then it's working with farmers to get them scalable, you know, whatever part of the world we have. The biggest challenge right now uh, has just been travel limitations due to COVID. Uh, we're anxious to get them lifted, to get back, you know, get to travel. Um, you know, we, we really preach a lot of food safety and quality. And a lot of that uh, comes from us visiting, you know, on-site visits in these countries, making sure everything's up to code. Um, and not having been able to do that for the past two years, uh, you know, we're doing audits that are you know via Zoom and, and trusting these third party audits and, and it's it's just better to have a better relationship with our suppliers and, and, and whatever, um, so looking forward to that. Um, so as far as innovation, we're it's just it's just constant, right? Like we're we're right. always on the prowl um, of new fruits. I think we're going to start seeing some more uh, ready to eat and frozen snacking. We're getting pretty excited about. We've got a couple of things in in, in uh, product development with that. And yeah, frozen was like it was kind of this sleepy category. And then COVID, we benefited greatly because of COVID. It drew so, it sent so many customers to the frozen doors because more people are eating at home, and there's you know nothing easier to cook than a than a smoothie.
0: You're right. I want to bring up a very important date as I was doing some research. Tell me what March 13th was all about for you, and as far as. Uh, from a high touch standpoint uh is that,
1: you know, the, day we, uh, is that the day we launched
0: uh, no that was the, that was the real day of covid like oh yeah w- w- when <laughs> when you walk it when you walk into a grocery store and the shelves are empty and you're just like, oh my god
1: yeah it was it was surreal um I think it was yeah it was around March thirteenth um uh, that was when everyone was pantry loading. Um, and so you know, we were like all hands on deck. And I was with my team at like three o'clock in the morning uh, on a truck and we pull up to the first Whole Foods, you know, maybe a day or two after that. And, you know, the shelves were just ripped. It was just like a ghost town. And and we were there and we, we didn't really run out like you know it's we didn't we're smaller we were nimbler so our brands really benefited having us because we can get in there day after day um the biggest concern was just our team members right because we're so full service and we're we're in these stores all the time like we just didn't want to get our we did not want to have exposure to our team but right at
0: that time nobody knew what covid was and just (laughs) how dangerous it could have been yeah or is
1: Exactly. Right. And so we, but we kept delivering and, and, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, a, you know, our competitor you know or UNFI, you know, fills 90% of whole foods shelves and it wasn't like a competency problem. It was just capacity, right? Like, right. you know, there was probably, you know, they were sending one truck a day to these whole foods where, um, you know, they'd been totally empty, and you probably needed to send 10 trucks at once to fill them back up. And so it just right. couldn't get, we could get, we were back online a lot quicker. And it was really went deeper with our partnership with Whole Foods because we, we talked about how we could lower exposure to these guys. So we went, um, we did a little less merchandising, but did more drop ship. And because of that, we were able to actually uh, normally do like three stops a day. We were doing, you know, seven or eight. So we we're, the frequency of drops were getting there. But we just weren't um merchandising and that was also because whole foods their team members had extra time on their hands because there was no product to merchandise or like put back on the shelf so we right. would drop it and it would, it would get back on the shelf um but it was crazy it was we would show up at a whole foods and and they would just say give us everything in your truck and we're like, right
0: you know, so. as a serial entrepreneur what gets you most excited i know we're switching gears here but but there's so many different cool questions that I want to ask. And and I know you're so team driven and people driven and how can I improve things and how can I help others? And I, I'm so, it, it really warms my heart and we use the term inspiration a lot, but you're a true inspiration in doing that and bringing people together and, you know, to, to be able to, to be a leader in the distributor world. And then obviously in the CPG space, what gets you most excited about being a serial entrepreneur?
1: I mean, just seeing growth and and like, you know, what keeps me motivated is my team. Like I, at Pataya Foods, everybody shows up. Um, they bring something new to the table and, and all the people that we're supporting in Nicaragua, um, you know, that's that's what keeps me motivated. That's what, what keeps me driving. And like, you know, I, I just feel like I'm totally lucky to be in the position that I am um, You know, where I get to run this company and work with people that I love. And uh, you know, there's, we, we've, we've just been this kind of like under the radar brand for, for a long time because we've, we've kept our heads down. We're not the brand in the news, raising all this capital We're we've been profitable for seven years. So we haven't had to raise capital. Um, and we just, we just do our own thing and, and make our own decisions and we make decisions as a team. Um, you know, our, my partner, Ben Hiddlestone has been with me since day one. We've now been working 11 years together, which is just crazy. Um, and then we have other guys on the team who've been here for eight or nine years. So it's like, we, we, we really are a family. Um, and so that's, I just feel totally lucky to get to do something like this and, and provide something healthy for everybody. Like I said, in the supply chain is, you know, we're not selling cigarettes or booze. We're, we're <laughs> selling, we're selling healthy fruit and, Um, you know, it, it just, it's just something basic that feels good. And, uh, on the other side for high touch, I just love seeing the innovation, all the craziness that comes in with, you know, we get samples in our fridge of every item you'd ever think of from all over the world. And, and, you know, we're kind of, because of where we are, we're in Southern California and we deal with whole foods. We're just, we're, we're kind of like at ground zero of innovation. Like if you're you're fresh and cool and want to launch most likely you're going to launch in Southern California. And so we, we just have access in this, this never ending pipeline of cool brands that are knocking on our doors. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, it's our job to talk to everyone. You know, people ask, how do we get in front of it? It's like, we, we, we need to know what's cool. We need to know what's ca- popping. And, and, and so we, we, re- I don't think there's, you know, we talk to everybody and just to get their story initially. Um, and so it's, that's the fun part. And and then, you know, picking and weaving to see who's going to make sense and who do we think, you know, actually, who are the who are the people we want to work with? Like working at High Touch is, it's, you know, we're in the position right now that we get to choose who we want to work with. And that is such a big part. And, you know, it's, it's a team effort. If you want to be successful with a distributor, you got to have a team, you got to be invested in the distributor. The ones that are not invested, they usually don't do too well. Right.
0: And I've noticed from experience, it takes, Obviously, this is, goes without saying, but you really have to, the brand and the distributor have to be on the same page at every level of it. Otherwise, it's not going to work at all. Absolutely. Um, you talk about uh, meeting people and meeting brands. Uh, you know, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from Expo West and people have been away. I assume that
1: you're going to be there. Yeah, we, uh, so I'll be there with Pattaya Foods and we just made that uh, decision like, less than two weeks ago uh i went out to i was in vegas i'm sorry we didn't meet up in vegas but i was out at, at uh, the, the fancy foods and i was like you know kind of when i got back from that show it kind of inspired me to pull the trigger on expo west I'm pretty excited we locked down a booth on the main floor um and our team is ready and i think you know i think everybody's gonna be ready to get back um we'll see how it goes i was i was I, I thought fancy foods was good i thought the vibe was good there like you know I, I, from the brand perspective the vibe was there hundred percent i don't a hundred percent
0: right i agree it. and it was just and i don't mean to interrupt i i was just for us i was just so happy to be back because i love to interact with people and i love to see what brands are doing and to bring people together you can only get so much out of zoom i mean it's yeah. it's i can't wait to shake your hand and give you a hug you know yeah we'll be it, we will be, we'll be there again yeah. It's just—it was just really cool, it, you know, uh, like you said, from a brand standpoint, I really felt the vibe and the excitement again. Like, whoa, well, we're coming well, what back. About the,
1: what about the important question? Did did you get the vibe from buyers? Were there buyers around there?
0: Uh, there were a few, a few buyers, not as many as we'd like, but yeah. you know, I think there were a few. But I do think it was definitely worth it. I would say, you know, there was there was probably some B plus buyers. What about you?
1: Well, I was just there as high touch, just checking out. So we yeah. were, we didn't have a booth, and I was walking with my partner, Czar, and we were just. Um, it was a good show. It wasn't. It wasn't too crowded. It was, you know, it was probably about seventy percent of the normal size. But you yeah, know, we walked the whole show in like three hours and came back the next day and tried to talk to as many people as possible and and just yeah, I, like I said, the energy from the brands you could you could feel it, and I just was I've been trying to I was texting Clifford right after the show. Like, Hey, yeah. dude, when, were there buyers out? Should we do Expo? And he was like, hey. he, he kind of had me on the fence and then we ended up pulling the trigger and and, I'm, and we're excited. I think our, our whole team's excited to get back there. So we'll see.
0: I, you know, obviously I think it's going to be lighter than years past, but I think we got to take baby steps. And, totally, exactly. You know, we, hey, lighter we, is a good
1: thing. It was almost too, it was too big. So it's yes. Like, yes. Opp- opportunity to reset like this is great. Did yes, you, do, I, did you guys do Expo East? Yes.
0: Yes. And it, it was a
1: huge success for us. In
0: fact, not Expo East this year, but okay. before COVID. Okay. And that was actually our first uh, real introduction to uh, Whole Foods. And that was incredible. Uh, and Good. I'll never forget uh, getting a call from, you know, the re- regional buyers saying, Adam, we'd love to bring in your SKUs to start with in the SOPAC region. And from there, it just kind of snowballed. And literally I did demos every day in any store that they would let me get into. And uh, it was just great. And, and the partnerships there are wonderful. And, you know, I'm so thankful for those relationships in our team. And, and um, I gotta ask you this question because, uh, you know, we are the can-do podcast and you've certainly had a lot of can-do moments where life is about what we can do not what we can't Trump thinking about it really quickly. What is your biggest can do moment where you always wanted it to happen, but you weren't really sure, but you, you stuck it out and boom, here it is.
1: Yeah. I think it was just being in Nicaragua and seeing the, the possibility of, of being able to do this and and start with baby steps. And um, we did raise some capital in the beginning and, and getting that vote of confidence from one investor to, to set us free. And and start, uh, start exporting this stuff and going and 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 just taking the plunge. And, you know, I never thought we'd be as big as we are today. I really just thought it'd be like a small business that um, could do a little good in the world and, and just really grateful for where we are and, and being able to grow with with our team is, is kind of our big, long can do moment. Um, and it's, we give like can do moments every day and, and it's just yes. continuing to grow and fight.
0: You know, it's funny how you say, like, even when we started, you, you you not that your expectations are low, but you just never know. You just try to grind every day yeah. to get better every day. And that's what we try to do in life. The same principles in life or in business. You just try to get better every day. And before you know it, you got some, you know, you got a chance
1: yeah you know and And i I think and i think that's it we just we stayed focused on the little goals and little goals and then every you know every year or so you look up and look back and you just keep doing it and say hey we're still growing hey we're still growing and and that's the exciting part for it i I never i think i never thought i would still enjoy doing this as long there's still challenges that come up you know it's like there's course there's still new things like you never know everything and there's like it's it's just this constant new, new, new. And, and and we've been really fortunate with growth and timing and everything seems to have fallen into place at a good time for us.
0: Well, I couldn't be happier today to have you on the show and to meet with you. I look forward to meeting you in person. Um, thank you so much, Yeah, Chuck. we'll see you at time. I, yes, I, I look forward to it. And I want to talk more about your golf game. I was talking with <laughs> Matt last night. He said, you guys get out and play golf from time to time. And I'm a big sports fan, so that's pretty cool. Tell me about your golf game.
1: Uh, we just, so I uh, just play a lot because my partner, Ben Hiddlestone, and my business partner, Ben Hiddlestone, we, we've just been battling ever since day one of Pattaya Foods. So we get to be able to cut out of work together and go play a little golf and live in San Diego. It's just, we just enjoy it.
0: No, the nicest courses are there. And so, (laughs) listen, again, Chuck, thanks so much. I really enjoyed the time today. Did you have any questions for me or our audience? Number one, wait, I want you to do this, and I'm sorry for being all over the board. I'm just excited. How do people get in touch with you and find out more about your brand?
1: Sure, you can just follow us at Pattaya Foods or hightouchdsd.com. You'll find us, search Dragon Fruit. We usually come up number one. Uh, but we're not high. We're we're easy to find. And if, if you got a brand that you're interested with, High Touch, just send uh, to contact at High Touch DST and, and we'll take a look.
0: Great. Well, thanks again for today. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for your time, Chuck. It was great to meet you. And I really appreciate it.
1: All right. Take care, bud. Have a great weekend. You got it, man. Thank
0: you thanks. so much.